0: Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto blockchain and Web 3.0 space. Blockchain Recorded's mission is simple, to share knowledge and insight and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals and decentralization solutions. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is provided for informational, and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Zerer. I have a finance background, having worked on Wall Street and the pharmaceutical industry. After living in five countries and dedicating time to my family, I left the corporate world. Today, I work as a freelance consultant and am fascinated by the innovative space of crypto and blockchain, different ways of thinking, and the people that are making that happen. So let's talk blockchain. Before we talk about blockchain, I should mention a few words about our sponsor today. This episode sponsors 4th Tech, which is short for Fourth Pillar Technologies. 4th Tech is a next-gen multi-blockchain ecosystem, platform, cryptocurrency, and a suite of decentralized applications that enable users to exchange metadata, data files, and instant messages from wallet to wallet in a secure and decentralized way. The 4th Tech Charter aims to establish a foundation for decentralized digital identity, multi-chain, data exchange, digital data notarization, and decentralization of cloud storage. The tech Initiative strives to enable a self-sovereign framework of data authorization and ownership representation and leverages the power of blockchain to facilitate data source and time confirmation. It's important to note that Fortech is an initiative, which was established back in 2017 and is composed of individuals and companies that collaborate to create decentralized solutions for the benefit of everyone. The initiative is compatible and in line with the European blockchain services infrastructure and is usable or extendable globally. So let's move to the scope of our podcast. First, we will mention a short 4th Tech project recap. We've uh, talked about 4th Tech in our roundtable in April, but Tali, the founder, will talk a bit more about just a quick recap. Then we deem it's very important to talk about decentralization. And the control over our data and data exchange. We will move on to some development overview in terms of staking and smart contracts. We'll talk about 4IM, the latest fourth tech solution, Solana's support, etc. Of course, we must mention the latest component of the Ethereum monetary policy to solve, and that is EIP-1559, its upgrade and its impact. And we may talk about some multi-blockchain interoperability, layer two and sidechains, and uh, continue the conversation there. So with that in mind, I'd like to present to you my two guests, Dr. Tali Rejun. The co-founder of Fortech and Peter Tuk, the Fortech developer. Tali, welcome. Can you quickly introduce yourself to our guests?
1: Hi, Nina. Hello. Uh, Thank you for the beautiful intro. Uh, My name is Tali. Tali Dujun. I have started my entrepreneurial career already at the age of 18. Uh, when I have worked uh, as a producer in the first digital audio recording studio in the region that I have built and innovated myself at the time, soon after my, um, my business evolved into broader digital content production, web page design, app development, SEO, and similar until 2016, when I have discovered blockchain technology, which has, which has become my main focus and uh, partly my obsession <laughs> <laughs> until this day. So um, under the domain of uh, Kutruli Business School, I have finished my business master's and later in 2018, my business doctorate, uh, focusing on uh, digital technologies. Currently, I'm the head of the Tech initiative, uh, UNC FACT blockchain expert, uh, lecturer at uh, Kutruli Business School and uh, resident speaker at Blockchain Adria.
0: Great, Tali. Thank you. Peter, can you tell us about yourself?
2: yes hello i am university graduate professor of mathematics and computer science with over 20 years of experience in it industry i'm a programmer using now mostly c-sharp as my primary programming language to create applications with regards the blockchain i have entered the blockchain space in early 2011 out of curiosity and to see if I would be able to set up my own mining device for BTC, with which I was actually successful. I also tried to mine uh, Litecoin and set up nodes for BTC and Litecoin. With respect to creating application on the blockchain, I did not face any challenges until now uh, when I joined the Fortech development team.
0: Great, thank you. Um, I would uh, actually like to ask Tali maybe to just give us a few words about 4th Tech, uh, like a quick intro, and maybe some of the latest solutions.
1: Yes, uh, yes. Okay, so we started already in 2017 um, as a group of blockchain enthusiasts, thinkers, developers, with a simple goal to develop a system, some kind of system of data fairness, which manifested in the um, simple wallet-to-wallet decentralized data exchange solution, as we as we know today. And the goal was to develop some solution that will be available to all users, not just enterprise users, uh, which have these big systems that are more or less of of private nature. So the first beta platform was released in April 2018 on the Ethereum mainnet. So we are talking about um, the first data exchange solution accompanied by um, Google Chrome wallet extension. So intensive testing was needed to figure out what to fix, change uh, and add before we could release the production version. So in 2020, when the Ethereum gas prices went wild, we figured out that we could uh, not remain only on the Ethereum chain, but we needed other networks to become more multi-blockchain interoperable. So in July 2020, we deployed our data exchange protocol on C-Chain. C-Chain was the first of its kind. Uh, Hashnet protocol powered Slovenian national pilot blockchain infrastructure Mm -hmm. established to enable public and private sector blockchain network transactions and smart contracts testing. Uh, so this was quite uh, um, something new in, in, in back in the day. So in November 2020, we decided um, that uh, we would deploy also on Polkadot Substrate, Edgeware. Edgeware was at the time the, the only Polkadot Substrate that supported smart uh, contracts. So the production version of the VET platform client and wallet, uh, also known as the Fortech 2.0, was released in May 2021. With Ethereum substrate and Hashnet support, and matured range of say, internal data management solutions was also released in this update. So uh, the four ID for the X, for NS, and later for EM will be added. So, 4ID stands for the Digital Identity Protocol, 4DX stands for Data Exchange Protocol, 4NS stands for Data Notarization Service, and 4EM will stand for the Instant Messaging Protocol, which um, we will talk about, um, we will talk more about later.
0: Great, Dali. thanks. Um, yeah, it's actually important to note. I mentioned this before that we've uh, we've talked about uh, these solutions already in depth in our first roundtable. So if our audience is interested, should definitely check that out on our website. Um, we have the roundtable on there. Um, I have a quick question. So, the Slovenian National Pilot Blockchain Infrastructure. There's actually something like that called the Slovenian National Pilot Blockchain Infrastructure. Uh, Tali, this is. Uh, I wasn't aware of this. This is. Uh, it's yeah, it, Actually, is it, it's uh, officially called that way?
1: Yes. Yes. Basically, it's um, <laughs> it's a great project that was developed. Uh, in some sort of consortium between mm-hmm. uh, Hashnet, the technology uh, provider, the Telemach, which is uh, the telecommunication uh, regional provider, oh, wow. uh, we, uh, which hosts host the nodes, and the Slovenian Ministry of um, of Development and Infrastructure. And this partnership was made and the C-chain was born. So uh, we are the first application deployed on uh, this, uh, let's say, national pilot blockchain infrastructure. And as mm. far as I know, for sure, at the time was the only project at the kind. So basically, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I just had to point that out. <laughs> Thank you. Um, great. So maybe Peter, can you explain where and how blockchain is used when data is exchanged from wallet to wallet. So we're, you know, we're talking about 4ID, 4DX, 4NS, maybe, maybe take us through how blockchain is used.
2: Okay, uh, for exchanging data from wallet to wallet, we, we are using 4DX which is defined as the centralised network framework that supports any data file exchange. For now, 4DX is supported on blockchains like Ethereum, Hashnet, Substrate, on uh, Polkadot and Solana. The exchange digital data is stored off-chain, meaning that the same protocol records on the blockchain only an um, encrypted link to encrypted uh, metadata, which is stored also on uh, dedicated storage, and the hash of the same JSON metadata, which uh, safeguards the rights to, of individuals to confidelity and privacy. This JSON metadata contains three major components. There is a sender, details of the sender, which contains his name, address, and the network used to send the files. Then it contains recipient, with the details of the recipient, also his name and address, and the document. In the document, Meta contains subject and content. This is uh, input fields in the platform, and the array of files. You can send one or many files. And for each file, it set its uh, file name, file URL. This URL is basically linked to file storage. And it's checksum. You have noticed there is a lot of calculation uh, of the checksums of all the files that are stored on the storage. And all those checksums are needed to assure the integrity of the sent files and that any manipulation on the storage can be detected. This fraud prevention process that enables file integrity and guarantees that the meta- or data file has not been changed in the course of the transaction between parties. and this process, we are calling for NS. Mm -hmm. To add and clarify for NS or data notarization services, we need to understand how it works. Mm -hmm. Basically, there are several checksums calculated and stored to assure integrity. Checksums stored on the blockchain is validating JSON metadata, which includes all the details of the transaction. If the checksum of the JSON metadata is validated, then the service is also checking the integrity of the document or documents within the transaction. If the validation is confirmed, then the receiver can download documents with the confidence that no one has manipulated the the document.
0: Mm, Interesting. I'm back to. I have a question. So you mentioned JSON metadata file. What what is JSON? What does that stand for? It's what does that mean?
2: JSON is the standard how the metadata is constructed. Oh, it's, okay. Yes.
0: Just for our listeners that don't know what that means.
1: Maybe just to add here. Uh, sorry to jump in. Uh, sure. Sure. Sorry. Basically, the 4NS notarization service validates not only documents, but uh, also uh, any data file or any Mm -hmm. data file packages. So it makes no sense. But we we use the um, terminology document here so we can offer easier representation to the service solution. Sure. Yeah. Because everybody knows that uh, what a notary is. And usually when you go to the notary, you use documents. Right, uh, right. We have also data files or data file packages of any kind that also are validated through our uh, solution.
0: And, and so then what about the digital identity protocol? How does that work? This would be the 4ID part.
2: Yes, the 4ID protocol connects wallets uh, on... Ethereum, Hashnet uh, substrate of uh, Polkadot or Solana when data is exchanged. It serves as the public key exchange point between users. The data sender needs a public key of the receiver, and this public key is then used to encrypt files. So any files stored on the storage is not uh, readable Mm -hmm. unless you get the Private key from the receiver and decrypt it.
0: So this is this this is what means truly encrypted.
2: Yes.
0: And then, then I suppose the instant messaging solution works in the same way or similarly. The four IM that Tali you mentioned. This is the latest solution that you added to Fourth Text Suite.
1: Yeah, basically it's it's, it's similar to. Um, uh, similar to, to 4DX, but a little bit different. Mm. So, uh, the protocol can be, let's say, defined as a decentralized network framework that supports message exchange between wallets. For now, only on Solana blockchain. Uh, we will explain later. So, um, the smart contract saves instant messages from the sender and retrieves instant messages from the receiver. So, one transaction, one message. Mm-hmm. Which one would- mm-hmm try to to go deeper in this
0: and why solana
1: for now it is uh, the only blockchain that uh, is fast fast enough mm-hmm. so we try to achieve the real time messaging here
0: mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. so in terms of this encryption, I think we'll, we'll probably touch this a bit later also, you know, comparing to the more commercial applications such as w- what we use today, Viber and WhatsApp, et cetera, and what is that what that means. So the, that's sort of where I will <laughs> pick your brain later. But before we actually touch base there, I think our the goal and one of the focuses on the today's topic is this data privacy importance, Um, that also is linked to the Web 3.0 mission today. Um, Maybe Tali, you know, the notion of our data, our control. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about Web 3.0 and how it's brought us to today and and, and then how Forth Tech can find its... um,
1: This?
0: (laughs) Yeah, basically how just its position and how Forth Tech can bring bring to, to, to this
1: notion. I have done, let's say, extensive extensive research in this mm. uh, in this field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, let's say that blockchain offers a way uh, towards regaining control over our data. But to understand it, we must first understand the history. Let's say the short history of the online world of the internet. Mm. That that would be great. So if we take a look for the last 100 years, I don't know, humanity has moved for pre-computing civilization to a post-computing civilization in this short short amount of time so for those of of us that have grown already in the computer internet era it all comes naturally but Mm -hmm. uh, let's not forget that nearly 15 years ago we used chat rooms and uh, uh, 56k modems to chat yeah have come a long way from that time to here the web 1.0 was mostly used as a directory of simple static pages with uh, clickable hyperlinks Hyperlinks for other pages, for example. If we look at it, this was the first internet revolution at the time with the sudden uh, encycl- encyclopedias of information available anytime
2: mm-hmm. online
1: for anybody that has an internet access. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a revolution of, of, of its kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, data files were exchange over private FTP connections, there were no no uh, no easy solution at the time. Um, maybe small files were exchanged over email, but in most cases, data was recorded on 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 the hard drives and carried.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this was the third industrial revolution, right? <laughs>
1: uh, so um, this was, let's say, we, we call it Web 1.0. The Web 2.0 brought. Uh, the first dynamic uh, interactive content it brought online payments Uh, it opened all new possibilities for online commerce social networks communication it is often described as a read and write web Mm -hmm. which uh, uses uh, asymmetrical cryptography to secure the whole internet basically the Web 2.0 brought all the big online changes um, as we know it today and services such as uh, Uber, Airbnb, PayPal, and and similar. So data cloud services such as Dropbox and Google Drive. A lot of good application, but also a lot of data monopoly, data theft, uh, lack of privacy. So uh, this is a part of of the Web 2.0. And the biggest problem is this advertising model, which has such big... um, Sales incentive to engage people to online content and manipulation with no respect to privacy and intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Now we use data cloud storage uh, and apps like Viber, WhatsApp, Telegram, and exchange mm-hmm. data organically without giving it, giving it another thought. So the data exchange is simplified, really simplified. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but as soon as we send it, we lose control. That's a fact.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So this is the, the big, let's say, turning point, which uh, the Web 3.0 is trying to solve. So yeah. uh, it's turning uh, centralized applications into decentralized protocols. It's linking the apps directly to end users, so peer-to-peer, bypassing the intermediaries altogether. So Web 3.0 brings online trust and impossible blockchain technology applicable not only to digital money, but to applications and services such as data exchange and, and storage as well. Mm-hmm. This is, let's say, the, the big revolution, the big change. So our data, our control, right? possibility right. of this. So, so what we are doing in tech basically, um, we are leveraging trust sourced from the blockchain uh, to provide a secure immutable wallet to wallet A to wallet B data exchange. So is it a data file? Is it a document? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So Anything. Anything. And um, it's a peer-to-peer protocol that uses a web platform, wallet, and blockchain smart contracts to enable encrypted data exchange between users.
0: Is there... Yeah, this is fascinating. I think it's a, it's def- definitely important to understand the inv- evolution of the internet and what's happening now. Um, it will be interesting to see if the Vibers and WhatsApps <laughs> of today will become obsolete or not. But is there anyone else that you know of that does what you do, just in simple terms? So having an integration of solutions such as 4DX, 4NS, in other terms, is there someone that does exactly okay. or similarly with with that in mind with web 3.0 i mean there must be others that are working on this no
1: yeah you know from 2017 2018 on there are a few projects that that are dealing with uh, let's say decentralization of data mm-hmm. more or less uh, the solutions we can spot the solutions uh, regarding to cloud data decentralization cloud data management one example is uh, sia i don't know if if you heard mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. have Filecoin, another example, and so on. These projects are uh, really great. They try to solve data decentralization by sharding uh, data into 20 plus, 20 to 30 pieces that are stored in in, in different locations on different nodes, uh, encrypted, of course and so on. Very interesting projects, but they basically focus on decentralized storage. What we Mm. are trying to do here is um, to enable any user without extensive blockchain knowledge to exchange data right now at this time and uh, use uh, one of the several public blockchains that we support. Mm -hmm. So, this is i think the the biggest i think up to this level nobody uh, is solving or developing similar solution
0: and this is on an individual as well as enterprise level
1: basically the, the protocol doesn't care who, mm, who of who course
0: who. right 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 that's just us yeah
1: <laughs> so uh, it's a wallet wallet address and- And that's all that matters.
0: And you're trying to make it (laughs) user-friendly so that anybody could use it.
1: That's a challenge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, because we um, have, you know, we have all these um, protocol services, all these, uh, let's say, application within the applications within the platforms that have to work together to enable, let's say, uh, friendly user experience.
0: Um, but let's—I would like to dive deeper in the potential of having real private online communication, as you mentioned with 4IM. Is that even possible? That's my question. You know, Tali, you mentioned before that once you once you type something in Viber or WhatsApp or sort of these commercial apps that we have on our phones, you can forget about the privacy. <laughs> is that even possible today?
1: <laughs> we, are, we are working towards that. But yes, mm. I that. Privacy in online communication is a fundamental right
0: yeah, of absolutely. everybody.
1: So exchanging private instant messages over the internet should be easy and accessible. Mm-hmm. But, okay, the rea- reality is, is different right now. So, yes, blockchain can, can in theory, solve that. Up to now, on-chain instant messaging, deployment would be ha- very hard to achieve on the blockchain to slow uh, network speeds, uh, congestions, mm-hmm. transaction costs. So, um, with the arrival of the faster blockchains, such as Solana, on-chain instant messaging, can become a reality. We'll we'll see. We are testing now. <laughs> mm, great. So, towards this goal, we're trying to develop a simple, fast, safe solution to provide, uh, let's say, immutable, instant wallet-to-wallet messaging protocol. So one message, one transaction. In our case, so how 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 does it work? Uh, basically, the for um, EM protocol connects to the Solana blockchain node. Uh, using JSON uh, RPC protocol, Solana blockchain as such serves as a layer one uh, blockchain ledger, uh, exchanging encrypted messages from four wallet address A to four wallet address B, practically re- real time as we hope. Uh, mm-hmm. This will this will be so basically two users they exchange Solana addresses and uh, they chat. Um, so then we have uh, the four ID which connects both the wallets of the message sender and the wallet of the message receiver uh, and serves as a public key exchange point of both users because a uh, sender needs a public key of the receiver and, and vice versa
0: so just quick question where so where do they chat what what, what would this look like or what does it look like if, i mean can, can you maybe yes. can you give us give, give us a quick uh, maybe insight and cheat a little bit and let us know how that
1: would work yeah, all, all the Fortex solutions are available inside our web client platform.
0: Okay, so on the platform.
1: Yes, so you need to you need two things. You need to have um, Google Chrome or Mozilla Firefox add-on extension uh-huh. installed. This is mm-hmm. your wallet, which is a multi-chain wallet that supports mm-hmm. uh, all the supported protocols. And you need to access to, to log in with your wallet. You log in to our web client platform and uh, you choose between different tabs. You have a data exchange tab, which is basically a 4DX. You have the the account tab where you, where you check your balances of the different blockchains. And you have your uh, instant messaging tab. You mm. tap the tab and you exchange wallet addresses and start chatting. So, uh, like I said, one message, one, one transaction. Uh, transaction. Of course, there are two problems uh, immediately um, coming up here. So basically, that means that one transaction, one transaction cost. But mm-hmm. uh, because Solana has a very low transaction price, let's say under a quarter of a cent, mm-hmm. this chat will be secure, but uh, it will not cost so much money. So we will see how this goes, uh, depending mm-hmm. on the on the transaction price. But this is a solution for now that seems viable. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then we have the message capacity and length will be determined after the test phase will it be possible to send really long messages or short messages. I think this will also correlates to the transaction price, but we'll have all these details when the testing is done.
0: Mm-hmm. And where, where would this, so you're, you said this is all through the fourth tech platform. Where can this be available? I mean, just as a user, a simple user question, could, can I do this over, through my phone how, how does that work? I mean, can this be so quick in terms of you yeah. mentioned just pressing the tab? But
1: yeah, yeah. For now, for now, um, you will you will need a computer to, mm-hmm. to
0: okay. So, so PC, uh, okay.
1: Google Chrome browser or Chromium, mm-hmm. whichever Chromium browsers are, or let's say Brave browser, or mm-hmm. Mozilla, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, this will be possible to do that. But yeah, we we'll see how it goes, and um, of course, a mobile app would be the the ultimate goal for this solution of course right okay yeah so maybe Um, to answer your question at the beginning i think that private online communication is possible
0: (laughs) that's uh (laughs) that's good to hear you are a very strong proponent of of blockchain right so um that is good to hear and you also mentioned the, the the different browser option right so yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of Brave and etc.
1: Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, basically w- with the with the Google Chrome uh, add-on and uh, mon- extension and then Mozilla Firefox, we cover most of the browsers that are available. Yeah. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. We we touched upon the the pricing, right? So one
1: one transaction,
0: one message. Maybe this can bring us to to sort of the gas problem where the gas fees. And the current topic of sort of the big topic everyone's been talking about. So the sort of the, the the last component of the Ethereum monetary policy to solve, right? Maybe you can talk about the, the EIP-1559 impact and, and the London Ethereum fork. How does that impact on the Ethereum transactions? But more so, how would that impact for DX and maybe for staking? Uh, if at all, Peter, can you, can you maybe take this question?
2: For sure. I will, I will take a moment and try to explain what the London Update is and what are its benefits. Perfect. So London Update is the name of the set of upgrades which are now live on Ethereum blockchain. The update features individual upgrades, each known as Ethereum improvement proposal. I will use EIP for for the rest of the conversation. So EIP159 is the focus of the update and made up of two parts. The first changes how gas fees work, which uh, should make Ethereum transactions cheaper. The second burns these fees instead of sending them to miners, which will reduce the supply of Ethereum by approximately 1% to 2% each year. So some words about EIP and transaction fees. If you already know, the bull run at the start of this year, which took Ethereum from $750 to $4,000 in less than four months, highlighted several weakness within Ethereum. Mm-hmm. This resulted in competitors such as Binance Smart Chain taking some of its market share by offering faster and cheaper transactions. To understand why this was such a problem and why it needs to be solved let's recap how fees on Ethereum work. Okay. fees are charged on every transactions and paid to the miners who bundle and add transactions to each new block, which is roughly every 10 to 15 seconds. Blocks mm-hmm. include bundles of transactions and are how data on blockchain gets updated. Transactions occur Anytime you move assets or interact with a smart contract or application. So, as you can see, transactions occur every time you do something on Ethereum, except if you are reading uh, data from blockchain. Okay. Currently, fees work via an auction system. How much you bid helps determine how soon your transaction will be processed. With those bidding, the highest going first. Okay.
0: So, this is then so, where EIP 159 comes in, hopefully.
2: Yes. Uh, and the EIP 159 will hopefully put an end to the feedback loop of sky high fees created during periods of congestions. All true, it may not solve the issue of for- front running and may even create new opportunities in that area. So, to reduce transaction fees, EIP-159 abandoned the auction system in favor of a base fee with the option to add a tip to prioritize your transactions. So basically now the fee is set with base fee Mm -hmm. and the base fee will be applied to all transactions automatically. So every transaction will pay the same base fee. It is dynamic and it will be calculated based on network congestion. A bit like the way ride-share platforms like Uber adjust their fees based on demand. And the second part will be tip fee. Again, like ride-sharing, there is an option to add a tip. However, rather than adding it at the end of your ride because you have a good experience, you get it at the start to ensure you get picked up before anyone else. Hmm. Tips essentially mimic the auction element allowing you to prioritize your transactions by offering to pay more. And miners are then motivated to include your transactions as soon as they can in order to receive the tip. So, importantly, both the base fee and the tip will be paid in Ether. Where this gets interesting is that the base fee won't go to the miner, Instead, it will be burned, which will reduce the amount of Ethereum in circulation. I would just like to remember all that new Ether is still created with each block as a part of the mining rewards. So it won't turn it into a deflationary asset immediately. We will need to wait until the Ethereum 2.0 merge, which will change how the Ethereum coins are produced, by eliminating mining in favor of proof of stake. I would like to point out also that the latest fork did not have any impact on four services and protocols. As explained, we can expect cheaper transactions in the near future and when sending documents using 4DX service.
0: Okay, so it has not had any impact, but you are expecting that hopefully the prices or the gas fees, well, especially from the Ethereum choice, should decrease
2: for sure we are we are hoping that the calculation behind uh, the base fee will reduce the transactions transaction fee
0: yeah we will see right this is a sort of a, what everybody's debating right now how how the protocol the EIP 1559 will impact impact this problem yeah well i guess we wait and see thanks um maybe Tali, let's 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 move on in terms of your multi-chain approach, and can we dive more into the subject?
1: Yes, and- basically, it's a good continuation of the Peter's explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of a, a touch topic. So yes, it's basically the we were we we started to develop on on Ethereum. Our first data exchange or smart contract was released uh, on Ethereum main chain in, in April two thousand eighteen, and. Um, this, the situation that we were we went multi-chain was basically enforced on us by the extreme Ethereum gas prices in 2020. I know for a fact that in September 2020, uh, we reached some extreme gas prices. Uh, if you wanted to exchange, let's say, 20 megabytes of data from wallet to wallet using our solution, you had to pay, I think, $160 dollars. Something That's that crazy. <laughs> so, and this is without our fee. We didn't have it, and we we still don't don't charge it. Uh, wow! But if I look back, that was uh, like um, one of the better things that could happen. So uh, we moved a little and um, were forced to become multi blockchain interoperable. What mm-hmm. became a uh, really great choice. Uh, so if if I if I look it back, so multi blockchains support enables. Transaction cost and speed choice, which is essentially important when dealing with public blockchain, no? so that the user can choose which blockchain to choose according to the transaction price. So, so this is the main benefit here, is to enable the users with more control over the choice of which blockchain to use when exchanging data. So mm-hmm. uh, it co- all comes down to the user's preference. If decentralization is the key then the Ethereum with its 10K plus nodes is an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. The transaction cost will cost more, uh, and it may take up longer to execute, but um, you will get the biggest decentralization factor when exchanging your sensitive uh, data files. Uh, if you as a user are not so decentralized decentralization sensitive, then maybe um, Edgeware uh, substrate of Polkadot could be your chosen network. The transaction costs almost nothing, and it is executed uh, almost in real-, in real time. So, in quarter three this year, uh, two thousand twenty-one, we are adding Solana as the fourth supported blockchain, and is such fourth user choice. Oh, yeah. So it's it's all about that. But now I can I can add that that our framework is already compatible with all EVM compatible networks. Additionally, it supports Hashnet substrate and and now solana so we, we more or less covered all the bases
0: so just to recap uh, make it clear the user's preferences obviously the, so the first factor is the price so if i were to have these four chains to choose from i would obviously look at the price and the, then the speed
1: is, is that sort of what and, and what and you're the <laughs> right the, right the, the the i i as i look at it Uh, The more nodes that uh, operate and control one network, basically, uh, the more decentralization is is in that network. So yeah, those three factors, and you can choose according to those three factors.
0: Okay. So that, that's what sort of takes uh, the user through the thought process. So it's those factors specifically. Um, Okay. So what about the notion of now you have four choices? Why now so many? Why, why maybe not just have two or three, or are you planning to add more? What's the benefit of having more versus just a few?
1: More means more choice. It's it's, it's as simple as that. So yeah, as I see it, why not 10 it's okay. uh, uh, and and then the user the user can choose. So it's multi-chain interoperability. I think is for now the right way to go. Of course, the easier solution would be to support one chain. Let's say Ethereum, and mm-hmm. um, you have decentralization. You have plus ten thousand nodes. That's that's a good check that's the big the biggest decentralized network in, in uh, basically smart networking in the world but the problem here is uh, congestion so so time of the execution of the transaction and the and the price so the cost of the smart contract uh, let's say execution but now these layer 2s are are popping up which can maybe uh, maybe help here mm-hmm. why not if ethereum with layer 2s will be at the end, will will prevail. At the end, we will support that. But uh, in the meantime, why not use uh, the biggest choice possible to users?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to get behind sort of the the thought process of if someone does not understand the difference between the the, the different choices, right? You know, why Edgeware versus Solana, right? Maybe Ethereum is the obvious one, but some of the other ones.
1: I can clarify um, here what, where, where our thought process were when we, mm-hmm. we were choosing the, the networks. So mm-hmm. basically at the time, Edgeware was the only uh, smart contract substrate of Polkadot. And it, it was, of course, the obvious choice. Other smart, uh, smart contract chains uh, of Substrate uh, are popping up. So yes, we will see if we will add another because we are already uh, Polkadot framework compatible. And Solana was um, also an obvious choice from the prospect of speed and transaction cost. Because we will add Solana support for the 4DX, so for the data exchange. But the main purpose will be the instant messaging protocol. So uh, that will be the main purpose because of the, let's say, uh, one transaction, one uh, one message. And uh, real-time, we hope to achieve real-time messaging. That's why Solana came in, in play here.
0: You mentioned Layer 2.0. Um, before. Can, can you elaborate maybe on the revolution behind layer two and the side chains?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a very interesting topic. So scalability is a blockchain biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. So layer twos are the form of a rollup and side chains and are far the best possible solution for now. So the primary role of the layer one main chain chains is to maintain overall security. Mm-hmm. Uh, confirm batch transaction section records, and resolve dis- disputes. So because Layer 1, if we, if we take a look at Ethereum here, has achieved a really great decentralization, like I said before, 10,000 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. plus nodes, so this is the, the security. Mm-hmm. Uh, it refers to basically Layer 1 network refers to main chain blockchain, while a Layer 2 protocol is a third-party integration that can mm-hmm. be used in a conjunction with the Layer 1 blockchain. So it's connected. They are connected. Okay. okay. So uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana, for example, are layer one blockchains. Uh, mm-hmm. Layer one solutions change the rules of the protocol itself in order to increase transaction capacity and speed while accommodating more users and data. So basically, l- layer one scaling solutions can entail, for example, in- increasing the amount of data contained in each block so this is one of the options that is studied or accelerating the rate uh, at which blocks are confirmed and with these two let's say uh, points uh, solutions with the goal to increase overall throughput so layer 1 a uh, layer 2 refers to a network of technology that operates on top of an underlying blockchain protocol to improve its scalability and effect so these are layer 2s basically
0: Can you maybe give us an example?
1: Yeah so Bitcoin Layer Two is the Lightning Network. Sure. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Ethereum Layer Twos are uh, ZK Sync and Arbitrum. Let's say for
2: for example, yeah.
0: You mentioned rollups. Can we maybe go deeper into rollups? And uh, Peter, can you take this one?
2: For sure. I will focus on ZK Rollup, and okay. uh, ZK Rollup strictly inherits the security guarantees of the underlying level one. Validators can never corrupt the state of or steal funds. user can always retrieve the funds from the ZK Rollup smart contract, even if validator or validators stop cooperating because the data is available. Neither users nor a single trusted third party needs to be online to monitor ZK Rollup blocks in order to prevent fraud unlike fraud-proof systems such as payment channels or optimistic roll-ups. I would like mm-hmm. to point out that roll-ups are a general approach to scaling open contracts. That is, contracts that everyone can see and interact with. In a roll-up, transactions are written on Ethereum as a call data, but the actual computation and storage of the contract are done off-chain. Somebody... A validator, for example, posts on-chain an assertion, also known as a roll-up block, about what the contract will do, a list of actions taken by the contract, such as payments made, and a cryptographic hash of its states after the contract has been executed, the calls that have already been posted on-chain. We can think of the assertion as a roll-up, all of the calls and their results into a single on-chain transaction. Hmm. An Arbitrum roll-up chain is a super-scaled layer 2 chain. Like roll-ups, the Arbitrum roll-up chain is built on top of the secured by the Ethereum blockchain and all transaction data is locked on Ethereum.
0: Okay, and what about sidechains?
1: Yeah, I can, I can help here. So sidechains are... Independent blockchains uh, used for uh, a layer one scaling side chains use a uh, independent consensus mechanism, so different uh, than the original chain, which can be optimized for speed and uh, scalability. Uh, we can cross from layer one to side chains using a bridge. For example, we can state that Binance Binance Smart Chain is and Polygon are side chains of, of Ethereum. So we can bridge assets using several bridge solutions. So just to add here, the whole point of uh, layer twos and side chains are that uh, computation and uh, such processes are are done uh, off chain, basically as a part of uh, uh, layer two or sidechain solutions. So on the main on the layer one, you just record a hash of the of you basically validate the the side chain or the sidechain are not, but the layer two are validated on uh, on layer one. But sidechains run independently and the bridge is uh, between the layer one and the sidechains that um, enables the assets. Bridging, for example. So, yeah.
0: okay, thanks. That's uh, quite a mouthful <laughs> to understand. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'll probably have to listen to this podcast about five times so I understand exactly what
1: you're talking about.
0: But what do you do? You see, fourth tech adopting layer twos or side chains?
1: Yes, we are. We are already looking at into possibilities uh, to support one of the Ethereum layer two solutions. As uh, it is a new technology, the implementations are now mm. taking place. So yes, I think by the end of the year we can select a viable uh, option for integration. Currently, we have our hands full with Solana integration. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: sounds it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, and and the industry is ever changing, so yeah. <laughs> it's we have to keep up and and act quickly. Well. Thank you both for, for this, uh, very informative and, and, and also quite technical podcast. Um, is there, is there anything that you would like to add and maybe conclude with given what we've talked about Tali? Maybe. Yes.
1: I, I think that it's important to know that we are living in really exciting times, uh, where anybody with a little programming knowledge and, a lot of will, of course, can launch mm-hmm. a financial product or a decentralized application on a globally accessible network that anyone can use and communicate with. I also think that uh, we are on the right path to regaining back control over our digital data. We have the tools, so all the rest is um, in our hands,
0: yeah, and let's ho- let's hope it goes into the right direction. So, and and also this this sheds light on DeFi, eh? the the lightning speed at which DeFi is evolving. So maybe at some later date we can talk about that. Peter, any any last thoughts before we end our podcast?
2: Uh, I would agree with Ali. Uh, I think he uh, summarized everything nicely. I would also add that the future is bright and if you are in blockchain space, you can notice that projects are evolving, that uh, everything is going with, uh, as you said, lightning speed and uh, we we can expect a lot of great results from this space.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Tali. And thanks everyone for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Tali. Thank you, Peter. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our first Blockchain Recorded podcast. Thanks also to our sponsor, Fourth Tech, who's supporting our first steps in the podcast world. You can find this Fourth Tech talk with supporting information on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can also find us on Google, Apple, and Amazon podcasts, as well as Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Let's finish today's episode with the following message. Our data, our control. Stay tuned for our next episode.